Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this Sunday of the Reformation. We have the opportunity to celebrate and remember the, remember the recovery of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel in Christ Church. And together we get together and receive the gifts of the gospel in word and sacrament to us. And so we be, before we begin our celebration and our worship, a few things to remind you of. So first, newsletters are in your mailbox, November newsletters. So make sure you pick one up. Also, make sure you take time to read the front page. Uh, it's a lot of text, but don't skip over it. Uh, in there, you'll read about an upcoming forum that we're hosting here at the congregation on November the 18th, the morning of November the 18th. Uh, so give that a read. If you have questions about that forum or questions related to what's in that article, please let me know or let Steve know, uh, and we will happily talk to you about anything in there. Uh, also a reminder that our food drive will continue through the 19th. So make plans to pick up some canned food, some non-perishable to bring in for our food drive, and those will all go to County Line Church of the Brethren. Uh, also, just so you know, tomorrow I will be out of the office for a meeting most of the morning and early afternoon. So if you need me, send me a text or uh, leave me a note and I'll... I'll get back to you. Uh, are there any prayer requests or other announcements for the congregation today? Yeah, Kathy. Uh, for Steve Preps, I'd like him on the prayer list. Please. Okay, for Steve. Yeah, and for for Gary, who was admitted earlier this week to the hospital, um, has some further testing and things to do, but anticipating open heart surgery here in the near future, so we remember Gary in our prayers as well. Right, if there are no other announcements or requests, I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we find the world and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel. And bestow on the church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
A reading from Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of the Lord. We now read responsively Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Though its waters rage and foam, and though the mountains tremble with its torment. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be shaken. God shall help it at the break of day. The Lord of hosts is, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come now, regard the works of the Lord. What desolations God has brought upon the Behold the one who makes war to cease in all the world, who breaks the bow and shatters the spear, and burns the shields with fire. Be still then, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. A reading from Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is, ex it is excluded? By what law? By that of works. 
No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, o Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, 500 years ago, Martin Luther publicly challenged the belief that somehow we can earn or merit our salvation. He preached the simple message that he found throughout the Bible. We are made righteous by our faith in Christ alone. Christ has accomplished our salvation for us. We receive the promise of the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life, as a free gift based on what Christ has done for us. And this was at odds with what the Catholic Church was teaching at the time. Luther found in the Catholic Church not the teachings of Scripture, but he found teachings that troubled his conscience beyond repair. The Catholic Church asserted, as it still does today, that your justification, that your right standing before God, comes through faith and works. They taught that you must cooperate with God to be saved. But Luther denied this because he saw that what Christ accomplished was enough for us. What could we possibly add to what Christ has done? And when Luther was called to stand before the emperor in 1521 and to stand before his accusers of the church, and they asked him to recant what he was preaching, Luther courageously stood and said, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. And so out of that moment, and on this Reformation Sunday, I think it's appropriate to ask, what would Luther say to us today? 500 years later, what might his message to our church be? In fact, I'm often conscious of this question because although you seated out there are looking up toward the pulpit and to the altar, when I look out to you all, I'm facing Luther up there above the balcony. And so I often stand here and think of Luther as my supervisor, right? Because his image stands as a reminder to any preacher that's up here in this pulpit, that they are bound 
by the scriptures and that their consciences must only be captive to the word of God. And this is what I believe Luther would say to this congregation this morning. That is, hold truth, hold to the truth of the word of God. Hold to that truth. Nothing else in the world ought to hold your conscience captive. And with that, I think we can directly turn to what Christ says to us in John chapter 8. Our Lord says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. The emphasis in this verse is that continuation, that abiding in Christ's word. right? To continue in his word, to remain steadfast in it, to stay in it, to not give up on it, to stay committed to it. But more than that, to hold on to that word for dear life. To live your life in it. There's nothing else to be your foundation, only the word. And what Christ is telling us here as his disciples is that the word is not there to be an accessory to our life. It's not there to put on when it's convenient. But for the Christian, the word is life itself. In John 8.30, many of the Jews had first heard Jesus and they actually believed in him, is what the verse says. They believed what he said. They started to see that maybe Jesus was the Messiah who had come to save Israel. In John 8, Jesus had told the Jews that he had come to be exalted. He had come to be lifted up. And so many of the Jewish crowds there heard that, and they were hopeful. Because they thought Jesus had come to be exalted as a king like David. They thought he would expel the enemies of Israel. He would expel the Romans, that he would, as Messiah, take the rightful place over Caesar, over Herod, and he would usher in a golden age of independence for the kingdom of Israel. And so when they heard Jesus say that he came to be exalted, this is exactly what they imagined. They did not imagine, nor did they understand, that Jesus had come to be exalted on the cross. And so in verse 30, we're told that many did believe in Jesus. But then by the end of chapter 8 in verse 59, the same ones who believed in him were picking up stones to throw at him. They wanted a Messiah who would provide them with every earthly comfort. A king who would give them power, who would make them politically independent, who would come and destroy the enemies just as King David had done. That was the freedom that they longed for. Jesus, however, tells them that he has come to make them free in much more important matters. He says he has come to set them free from sin. He has come to free them from the accusations of the law. And he has come to free them from the grave. Jesus has come as the king who would defeat our first and most powerful enemies, sin, death, and the devil. In other words, Jesus came to them and said he was going to accomplish for them what only Almighty God could accomplish. And they rejected him. They did not believe that sin was their real problem. They thought their political plight was their real problem. Their hearts were hardened to the true gospel that Christ brought. They missed the message of true freedom that Christ was proclaiming. Christ brought the freedom to stop trying to earn salvation. St. Paul in Romans put it like this. We are all now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
You don't have to try to climb the ladder up to God. You don't have to wonder if you are doing enough to make it to heaven. You don't have to impress God in some way. None of these things work. Instead, you get to receive the free gift of salvation God has given you through Christ. But this requires an acknowledgement. The acknowledgement that, in fact, you are a sinner who needs God's grace. You can't do this on your own. You need Christ. And so this confession that you need Christ, that is the confession that leads us to true freedom. If you've ever worked, like really worked hard to impress an employer, you might understand how good this freedom is. You can work at a job really hoping to impress your boss. You can put in extra hours. You can stay diligent. You can forego your vacation time. You can never call in sick. You can do everything just right. You can work and work and hope to get recognition and hope to get rewarded with a bigger paycheck. And if you've ever lived like that, you know just how stressful that life can be. Or maybe you've lived to get your parents to recognize you for who you are, for how good you are. Or perhaps you've lived to impress someone you're dating, you're married to, you work hard to impress teachers at school, whatever the case may be. You will feel that weight of always trying to work to be recognized. And some of us even have tried really hard to work to impress God. Coming to church, giving generously, giving to charity, being good to others, And we've worked thinking that if God will just recognize how good we are, then we'll have it made. And this, trying to impress God, is a magnitude greater than even working to impress a boss. Because we work to impress God so that God doesn't forget us when we die. We work to impress God to avoid going to hell. We work to earn a spot in heaven. And when we fall into this thinking, we will inevitably begin to wonder, Am I enough? Can I ever do enough to make God happy with me? Well, this is the trap that Christ sets us free from because he does the work for us. He redeems us so that we are promised a place in God's presence for eternity. And so we're given the freedom not to work to impress God, but the freedom to enjoy the promises of God. We are given lives to enjoy the many gifts of God. We're set free, free from the fear of death, free from the fear of judgment, free from the devil's accusations against us, free to rest in the grace of God. What Jesus says here, that his disciples will know the truth and the truth will set them free, he is in fact talking to us this Reformation Sunday. 500 years ago, Luther preached the true gospel that the captives would be set free by Christ. And it's the same gospel truth that you will receive this morning. The gospel is you are not saved by anything you do, but you are saved by trusting in what Christ has done for you. This morning, you are made free. And so Luther would remind us this morning not to trust in the stories of the world, the stories that the world might be trying to convince us of of this day and age, right? Because so much in our world, our culture tells us we need to find our identities by finding our stories and the authentic expression of who we are. This is the cultural expression that is in vogue right now. You hear things like, live your truth, or I'm just living my truth. That's the story of our culture. 
find the most fulfilling job, make lots of money, and live your truth. Or identify yourself with a special status that only you have a say over. This is your truth. Our culture will say identify as a victim. This will make you special. Identify by having a unique sexual preference. Identify by your work status. Identify by your ethnicity. Identify by your political party. Identify by some cause and so on. That's the culture story. That once you identify with whatever you choose, whatever you believe your story is, then you're on your way to true happiness. And that's the lie of the culture. Because it's a lie that's oppressive. It's a lie that will always leave you a slave to a guilty conscience. And so instead, we push back against that lie. And we push back with the gospel of freedom. Luther would push back on these kinds of lies. Luther would say, don't put your hope into something called your truth. He would tell us to put our hope in the truth. He would tell us not to love the things of this world, but to love the truth of God's word. And that's the heart of the truth, that you are no longer a slave to sin, but that Christ has set you free. You no longer stand in God's judgment. You don't have to work to make God happy. The central message of the word of God is this truth, that the Son has made you free, and you are free indeed. And so stay true to that word, not to the word of the things of this world, but to God's word. Hold on to his promises, and not only hold on to them, but love them. The promises that God has given you at your baptism, that you are his now and forever, hold on to that, because that's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is one who holds on to the truth of the gospel. And so when we hold on to that truth, then we will know what true freedom is. Amen.
together. Let us stand and confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father of the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten of not made, of the one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, and in accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We live with the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, our mighty fortress, sustain your church, deliver her from error, and preserve in her the proclamation of your gospel, that it would resound to every nation, every tribe, and people and language, so that all may give you glory. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our mighty fortress, bless all ministers of your word. Help them rightly to preach your law so that all are held accountable to you without excuse. And help them to joyfully proclaim the freedom of your gospel, that all would know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our mighty fortress, make us truly your disciples. Keep us in your word. Free us from all errors and make our homes and communities places that are peaceful with your word. Preserve all families and encourage them for their godly task, that children would be brought up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, our mighty fortress, bless all civil authorities, especially our President Joseph, Congress, our Governor Richard Michael, and all who make, administer, and judge our laws. Protect them from the temptations that beset their offices and grant them wisdom and courage to serve with integrity. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Lord, our mighty fortress, be near to all who cry to you for healing of body and soul, especially Steve, Charlie, Jane, Nancy, Brandy, Marilyn, Tony, Carolyn, Amanda, Steve, and Gary. Grant them release from their afflictions according to your will and sustain them in hope until their full and final healing that awaits them at the day of Christ's appearing. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our mighty fortress, bless all who come to the altar to partake in Christ's body and blood this morning for the forgiveness of their sins. Grant them repentant hearts that they may seek to amend their lives 
and by your spirit align them to your will and your purpose. Lord, in your mercy. Mighty fortress, rock of refuge, we give you thanks for all your servants who have departed this life in faith. We especially bless you today for Martin Luther, for Philip Melanchthon, and for all the great reformers of your church who call us back to the gospel and to the righteousness we have in Christ alone. Keep us in fellowship with them and bring us at last to our heavenly home to see our Redeemer face to face through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 
is indeed right our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you almighty and merciful father through our savior jesus christ who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life and so with all the choirs of angels with the church on earth and the host of heaven we praise your name and join their unending hymn are indeed holy almighty and merciful god you are most holy and great is the majesty of your glory you so love the world that you gave your only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life we give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation in the night in which he was betrayed our lord jesus took bread and gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body given for you do this for the remembrance of me again after supper he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin do this for the remembrance of me For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Remembering, therefore, his solitary command, his life-giving passion and death, his glorious resurrection and ascension, and the promise of his coming again, we give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, not as we ought, but as we are able. We ask you mercifully to accept our praise and thanksgiving and with your word and Holy Spirit to bless us your servants and these your own gifts of bread and wine so that we and all who share in the body and blood of Christ may be filled with the heavenly blessing and grace and receiving the forgiveness of sin may be formed to live as your holy people to be given our inheritance with all of your saints to you O God Father Son and Holy Spirit be all honor and glory in your holy church, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation. I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
and peace serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.